0: Forward Guidance is brought to you by VanEck, a global leader in asset management since 1955. You'll be hearing more about VanEck ETFs later on, but for now, let's get into today's interview. Very happy to welcome to Forward Guidance for the first time, Remy Tita, who, in addition to being a co-founder of Real Vision, where I used to work, is the publisher of the Mad King newsletter and macro research product. Remy, great to have you on Forward Guidance at last. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me. I've been, I've been looking at your podcast for a bit,
0: so I'm very happy to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Remy, how are you thinking about macro in 2024? And I guess we'll, we'll start with the obvious, the, the stock market, uh, bull market, which is largely, to a large extent, being driven by very large cap technology stocks appreciating it in price. What, what are your views on that and what are your observations?
1: There is room to go um, still on the tech side. But it's getting obviously it's getting very expensive now. You know, I'm still very cautious. I, I use the business cycle a lot. I think the business cycle is going to bounce temporarily, so we might we might see ISM, you know, improve, even get about fifty this month. On a longer period, I'm not sure uh, yet. Now we're having we're having the US is a bit it's a bit weird because the the, the stock market now we're looking at the stock market, thinking the economy is fine when before it was those that were around. You know, the big tech, it's. Creating a bit of um distortion. They're, they're like thirty percent of the S and P, or something like that, uh, give or less. But yeah, their revenue is like seventy percent out of the U.S., for example. So people will look at the stock market thinking it's fine, the tech is fine, but the revenue is not really being generating there. And then obviously we have the AI, the AI, the AI narrative. Sorry, and. Um,
0: you know all the tech stuff, and and NVIDIA is a big. is a big thing in all that. Right. So t- tell us about your, your point about the er- the earnings again, uh, the, the revenues. Sorry.
1: So I'm writing a piece now for next month, and I was looking at at um, revenue. You know the revenue market cap ratio for all the tech companies, all the the big ones, and they're actually a lot more. They're more expensive than ten years ago. Which is odd because all the revenue in the last ten years is up ten x. Do you think that the next ten years is going to be as a to a ten x, considering the level of revenue? It doesn't make much sense, right? In, in mathematically wise, I don't see. I don't see um, Amazon generating six trillion in revenue in the next ten years, for example, unless they kill all the small shops. So it doesn't. So, so when you look at it like this, it doesn't make much sense. But when you look at all the tech giants in 2000, you know the ratio uh, revenue market cap was like much higher than what it is now. But again, we're talking about companies that were making 20 billion in revenue. You know, just Microsoft was doing 20 billion in revenue back then, or 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and, now, and now they're doing about 100, 240. So it's, you know, it's all in terms of, of, of like absolute term now. Do we get the same kind of, of, of growth forward? I personally doubt it. It doesn't make sense to me. Even if you include the AI or whatever you, you name it. Um, so
0: yeah, I think it's, 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 it's interesting to look at it this way. Maybe we'll go company by company in the, in the mag seven, like what stands out as the most overvalued, you know, I mean, Apple, I have no doubt that it's price to sales multiple is significantly higher, even though it it has grown. And, you know, maybe you're applying your general point to Apple in specific, you say, okay, the iPhone was this incredible thing. Apple Vision Pro, yeah, maybe you know a lot of people are going to buy it, but it's not going to be as successful as that. What do you, you think of as as a sort of fair value for these companies based on you know earnings or or, or sales?
1: As well, Nvidia obviously it's been the darling of the webs, of the of the stock for the last year. Now it almost became a meme stock. Uh, you know, I wrote a piece about Nvidia when it was at four hundred, around the flags around it, I, and I, I did say although there was flags, you know when the stock trained that out and, and there was so many people behind it, like I would not short it. And obviously, you know, that was September last year. So um, I think the stock market proved me not wrong. Yeah. proved me wrong. You know, it went up flying. NVIDIA is making, is, 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 is forecasted to have 60 billion in revenue this year. All right. And 75% of those revenue are data center driven. Now, if you look at them, if you look at them, the Mac Seven, or the Mac Five, in this case, you know, we keep Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google, and uh, and Meta. If you look at them and look at the CapEx for for 2024, the CapEx is going to be up thirty billion. Now, a lot of those are for data centers. Now, if you if you trim it down to Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, which the three of them has, um they have data um, data center product, cloud product, basically. You know they generate 120 billion um, a year, which is double what um, what Nvidia is making, for example. Those companies, they're gonna. It's not only AI driven. They need to build bigger data centers because there is more data. You know it's growing, but you're gonna reach a point where data center they're gonna arrive in maintenance, and eventually upgrades, but not sell out sale like we're seeing now. And I think while that's going to happen, you know, Nvidia is going to is going to like correct dramatically, because the, the, you know if you have seventy five percent of your revenue coming from those, and at some point you just stop, because everybody got their data centers, it's going to um, yeah create a bit of a problem for them. And and the thing I realized with Nvidia is is when they talk about the fraud score with CoreWave that. They give them, they lend them money, and they book them the GPU to open data centers and stuff. And I think I thought about it, and because I saw another company or two other company doing the same with them, and I'm like, okay, what are, what what are they actually doing? It's a VC strategy. They're throwing money at company building data centers to compete with the big ones, and eventually the one that's left, they're gonna have a big tech in it. The big upside for them is that they make them buy the chips, and they give them access to the chip first. So what are we gonna have eventually? In the next two, three years, all those small companies, like 90% are going to fail and they're going to be bought for cents on the dollar for the big, big tech com- by the big tech company. And, and, you know, eventually that's going to like collapse the price of, of GPUs and, and computing power stuff even further.
0: You know, this is, this is the kind of stuff I think we're looking at in the next two, three years. The next two, three years, but you think it could have room to run for, for a little bit. So it's, it's more of a longer term call than a short term call.
1: This year, I think NVIDIA, have room. If, if, the Cap- if the big company have, haven't not, have not spent their, their CapEx money yet, they're going to reach t- their target on their revenues. So they're going to keep going. They're going to deliver. That's going to work. Unless we got um, a recession or something like a big downturn that they're going to they're gonna have to review their, their spendings and stuff. I think this year we're good. Next year, I'm not sure. Not so sure.
0: What do you make of the tremendous growth in their in their, their revenues? I think their their uh, revenues year over year is up something over it more than, than doubled. And I think it's yeah, it's two hundred sixty percent. Yeah, yeah, is, that, is up something like like five hundred percent. It's
1: more data center. The growth in revenues in data center It's nowhere else. They have a bit. They have some yeah. some. It's a bit flat in gaming. Something else going down. You know, the big thing is data center for them. Data center is not a recurring business that can last for decades. It's not. It's a structural thing. You know, like in, in 2000, a lot of investors were throwing money at broadband companies to build the internet and the network and stuff. And what happened then? Then all the big, the big um, mm. broadband companies end up buying the small ones. So it's the same thing that's going to happen. If it's a structural technology thing, same thing is going to happen eventually.
0: That makes sense. S- semiconductor business is a cyclical business, when do you think it will turn? Because I know, you know, 2020, 2021, huge boom in semiconductors, there's a shortage. 2022, the cycle appeared to turn and it, you know, everyone thought and you know, I don't know, so I trust what people say, it was going to get much worse. But then you have this huge AI boom. And, you know, NVIDIA, their data center uh, business, you know, it was up a tremendous amount. I I think it depends on how much gold you think is at the end of the, the rainbow. I think like what's undeniable and what you and I are talking about now is there's been a huge capex boom for the the hyperscalers, uh, uh you know, Meta, uh, Google, Amazon, and th- they have spent the money. Like people saying, "Oh, Nvidia, the growth isn't there." Like the growth is there. It's it's in the financial statement. We, you know, that that is a fact. Uh, you're saying that the capex boom will be something of a bubble because the hyperscalers spending all the money, they won't realize the investment. Like, you know, we're talking about um, the picks and shovels, NVIDIA. What do you think about the end product as someone, you know, if you, I don't know, use ChatGPT or any of the chatbots, is AI transformational? Is it more or less transformational than the kind of hype that there is now?
1: I use AI a lot, right? It's, it's a big, I use, I, I tested also all the products you can think of to really understand I trained, I train, you know, when COVID happened, what I did, I did, um, I did an online course for a week and get trained at Stanford about AI and how to train models. I wanted to understand the technology behind it. You know, I was the tech guy at, at Real Vision. So for me, it was making sense to, to go deeper to, the te- to understand the tech, really. So here's the thing. AI is amazing. You know, okay, chat GPT, um, generating imaging, amazing. Making videos, amazing. Now, in terms of use case, all of that, it's actually going to be very limited. Not everyone is going to need it or use it. When you, when you, see, you see all the, those Sora videos coming up uh, last week, mm-hmm. you know everybody's like, the sentence you're going to read every single time, there is a big thing. is like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can't wait to see what they're going to do in a year. People are replying that over and over and over all the time. And then they compare what was done a year ago with what is done now. The reality is, People are using. I know people using 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 ChatGPT in different ways, but I would say it's a very small portion of it. People that need to use it. The product we're seeing now, I don't see it like it's not going to be used by billions of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you in in the point that it's not. A lot of the products are not ready for prime time, and you know they may be used by high school students or college students to pass their classes for an exam. But if you're actually like a professional person who's you know. I think a professional a human is still doing better than ChatGPT on a lot of things. Like it's I think I think ChatGPT is it's a, it's a it's a jack of all trades uh and it's like kind of good at all things, but it's not extremely proficient in one thing yet.
1: See, I wrote about that last, uh, a few months ago is how to use basically AI is not is not going to replace a skill you don't have. If you don't have it, you don't have it and it's going to replace it. it is not going to give you that skill to the level of a professional. Right. So let's say you want to use chart GPC to write economic research. If you don't have a deep under- understanding of economy, you cannot do it because it's going to spit, you know, it's going to spit whatever, and you cannot check it. And personally, I use it to, um, to give me feedback on my work. When I write, I put my content and I ask him to give me feedback to see, uh, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm a stone girl or what, 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 basically I'm using it as a sounding board, you know, images, that's great. But again, you know, not everyone want to be a writer or not everyone needs to degenerate images or videos. You don't need it. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. very, very limited. Same for the music. And I've tested literally everything I could think of. And now the other thing is now, because everybody run after the same thing, now you have, so you have GPT and you have Gemini, Copilot. The market is going to be quickly saturated with too many demand, with too many offers, sorry. And if, if there is too many offers, people are not going to be able to choose because you give them too many choice. And then they're gonna end up like moving away from it, and and mm-hmm. and not you yeah. know you also have the problem we still have the problem of you know we've seen the problem with um, Gemini uh, this week with the, the the response he was giving you and stuff. So I mean, this is actually very important because if, if it's going to be used at scale, and they control what the content is being given to people, you basically kind of control people. Say so it's you know, it's still dangerous. Now I'm waiting to see if ChatGPT fixed that in 4.5. Um, I heard they say they were not going to be so woke, but in the end, the problem I think they're going to have is if they use the data set from people that are woke, it is going to become woke because that's how it's getting trained eventually. So it's you, are, you have all that risk of, of what data set you include in there and
0: stuff. And how do you think about the future of AI? Where you know we agree that many of the products are not ready for prime time yet, but we've seen they've gotten better so so much quickly. And if they if they continue to improve and reiterate, you know, they may be ready for prime time soon. And you know, how, in, in three to five years, or maybe ten years, how transformational do you think AI is? And that's probably more relevant than how transformational it is right now.
1: Well, I think first making movies is going to change a lot. Uh, that's for sure. You know, all the um, basically all the fillers in movies—they're going to be made with AI you now. You know, when you, you see a, a guy is traveling and you see the plane in the sky, and that's going to be AI generated. They're going to they're going to do that like very quickly you now. Stuff like that, all the fillers. Eventually, they're going to also master anyway, and you know, filming people and they're going to increase. So here's the thing. What they're going to do? They're going to improve the productions, but they're not going to make them cheaper because they're going to spend the money somewhere else anyway. So eventually, eventually, you know, maybe they're going to do more marketing or whatever. What it might give is the opportunity to skill people to, to, to produce, you know, like, cheaper, like, good stuff. Um, that's for the video side. Well, customer support, obviously, for anything is going to be AI-driven in 10 years, all of it, that's for sure. Um, now, after that, you know, it's, like, like I said, it's, it's all about the use case, like, someone that works in a restaurant, is he going to need AI? Well, I don't know, unless you remove the waiters, for example, and make the order through an um, AI machine, you know, for example. I also think that in 10 years, human input is going to be a luxury. Human input going to be a luxury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going yeah. to be the other way around. Um, you know, if, you got, if you're skilled and you're good and you can give a human input, then that's going to, be, that's going to be worth money.
0: So, so in that future, it sounds like AI has a a big place to roll. So, is your view on uh, I guess Nvidia or AI? Are you kind of a cyclical doubter? You think the cycle's going to turn, but the future is you know bright in 2030, and that you know much of the hype or maybe you know is is a uh, kind of justified and it just cycles gotten ahead of itself like it did in 2000 or are you a a, a cyclical and a secular doubter where you think nope it's it's overhyped kind of forever
1: it is ahead of itself the cycle that's for sure uh you know people people oversold it and like i said think of it like in 2000 when they wanted it everyone wanted to build better network because everyone wanted internet everyone was buying a computer at home you know all of that now it's the same thing with data with basically processing power. So all those services in the future, they're going to need a lot of processing power. And those processing power data centers are being built right now, right? That's the CapEx, that's the investment, that, that's happening now. For AI to explode, you need to have a burst because people are going to be able to buy all that power for really cheap. And then the, the end product is going to become very cheap, a lot cheaper for the end users. And eventually, the user is going gonna, is gonna to end up yeah, winning because it becomes really cheap for them. That's the thing. When, when they buy, when they buy those, those data centers, they're going to make the product a lot cheaper for us to use, a lot. And that's when you can really scale it, I think. You have, you have the price, which is really cheap, and, and you have the processing power. I mean, look at you know, broadband. Like in 2000, the was, internet was expensive. Now it costs like, it, costs a fr- it was expensive and it was slow. Now, 20 years later, it costs a fraction of that for like crazy, crazy speeds. The beginning of that was those, the 2000, when they started to build those network. Same will happen with AI. It's it's a structural um, technology improvement.
0: That, that makes sense. What, it, what is scarce will become abundant. Do you think there is there a slight difference? One, one thing that appears to me is the profit margins and even the revenues of the picks and shovels companies, which were the the equivalent of broadband companies, like the the chip companies, their revenues have increased so much more than the broadband companies. Like I, one of my favorite books, The Smartest Guys in the Room by by Bethany McLean and Peter Elkind about about Enron, like all these broadband companies were doing fiber swaps with another where I'll buy your fiber and you buy my fiber, and then we'll both book it as revenue, even though no cash changes hands, and then we'll depreciate it over time. Like, I feel like what you see at the top of a bubble, what, what I saw, you know, in 2021, and I mean, I was way too early, but was of just total companies lying and going, going public and issuing all of this hype. I feel like the hype on a scale from one to 10 right now is like a five. And I feel like to, to know that it's going to, or not, you never know, but I feel like, you know, I feel like the hype is, is not that high. And it's only the high quality companies that are generating so much cash flow and and you know growing so much that are earning like I feel like I don't see any you know it's a derogatory term but shitco like a shitty company
1: yeah, I read your post about it
0: yeah 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 okay yeah, yeah. What, what do you think about my theory Remy?
1: you know what you put three things in that post and I was like you, you actually got a point Is right like we didn't have shit tons of IBO. um and we didn't have the fraud yet yeah if you look at it as a bubble yes um but you know like I said before, I use the business cycle as, as, um, as a framework, you know, like that's what I learned at, at, at GMI, with Raul. Mm-hmm. Before covid hit, we were in the longest economic cycle, basically, expansion. Mm-hmm. right? What happened is in 2018, 19, we were slowly, slowly diges- digesting the excess of it. It was basically the, the business cycle was playing out, slowly. It was happening. And COVID happened, so it collapsed rapidly and bounced like even further on those crazy stimulus and stuff. Now, I do think that we haven't like digested the previous cycle yet properly because of COVID and because of the the liquidity input and all the, um, you know, there's, I don't know, six, seven trillions um, in stimulus and and, and, and the Fed and all that stuff. I do think that we haven't really digested what we should have on, on the previous cycle yet and And I think you know that's make me a bit uneasy um about everything, and i'm I'm very cautious about it. you know when you look at inventories they're all up. in nominal term. they're like everything is all high basically i'm not you know I'm, I'm I'm a bit cautious about about all that
0: Th- that's a really interesting theory tell tell me tell me more about that about how you think that maybe the economy was going to enter a recession in 2019, but it didn't because we had a, a one or one and a half month recession in, in March of 2020, obviously when there's so many people got, got laid off. Uh, I think then when you know, the unemployment rate spiked so high, huge fiscal spending, credit spreads blew out. And you know, a lot of people viewed that as the beginning of a new cycle. Do you agree with that or, or not and why?
1: The business cycle is a boom and bust, right? So you need, you, you need to clear access to be able to bounce and keep growing. Now we haven't cleared that excess. We haven't. If you look at all the charts, it was starting to go down. You have a you have a big spike and then bounce higher, right? We didn't clear the we didn't clear the excess liquidity. We didn't clear the excess from the balance from the Fed balance sheet. We haven't. What we've done is keep adding on top of that. In terms of cycle, I don't think it's right to think it's a new cycle. Um, if anything. You basically have like still a lot of excess to clear in the system. You know, everybody is thinking a pivot is gonna come, the Fed is gonna is gonna cut rate. And now when I see the state of of the market and economy, I'm like, first, if the if the market is is driving so hard right now, why would the Fed stop QT? And why would it start cutting? They shouldn't do it before. It's before. There is like um, some some flag coming from somewhere, in economic data or whatever. Normally, it's the, you know the employment. We we know the unemployment is not great. I mean, everyone knows it's going to get worse. It's not like it's not a secret anymore. We know it's the last domino to fall, basically.
0: You know, I'm not sure where 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 we're going to go now. Basically, not convinced. Like gold did. Bitcoin is establishing itself as a macro asset that potentially helps hedge against the government devaluation of your money. Finally, you can easily access Bitcoin in a low-cost ETF with the Vanek Bitcoin Trust, ticker HODL. Search the ticker HODL in your brokerage app today. Visit vanek.com slash hodlfg to learn more. That's vanek.com slash hodlfg. Now the disclosures. Investing involves risk and you could lose money on an investment in the Vanek Bitcoin Trust, also known as the Trust or HODL. The value of Bitcoin and therefore the value of the trust shares could decline rapidly, including to zero. You could lose your entire principal investment. For a more complete discussion of the risk factors relative to the Trust, carefully read the prospectus linked below. Thanks. Let's get back to the interview. Remy, when you say excesses need to be cleared out of the system that, that weren't cleared out in 2019. What, what were you referring to? You said the Fed's balance sheet, but was there, what, what else?
1: Yeah, all the credits, you know, all that stuff, all the all the basically money created, you know, in the system, excess liquidity and stuff. You see it, if you look at the charts and you put the train on, on all of them, you can see that we still like three, four trillion above trend, uh, something like that. Um, and that's taking the train from 2008. Um, so... And basically, which is the excess of, of the COVID, you know, af- post COVID, all of that. So it's 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 interesting. Now they are in a very complicated position now because obviously the the, the you know the, US, the, the IA is a problem for for US debt for the government. We know it. Um, if they don't cut, it's going to become very expensive. The debt is going to pile up and 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 basically compounding with interest and stuff now. Um, so if if they don't do anything now, the government is at risk. But if they do, you know, I don't think it makes much sense with the dynamic we see in the market now to do anything like, if the market is taking high yields, they should keep it. They don't need to inject liquidity, although they're injecting, you know. I know you have Michael, you had Michael Hall, which is 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 the king of liquidity and stuff, um, which we know they're injecting liquidity in different ways now. You know that are not so obvious. I think it's it. There is still a lot of excess to clear. You know, on top of that, we have an election year, so they have to be careful what they do. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see a new cycle, like a full cycle, starting now.
0: And so you're talking about a Fed balance sheet cycle, less of a economic cycle, or or both?
1: Both, both, both. I mean, the Fed, the Fed. You know, you still they still need to um to diminish the the balance sheet. Okay, let's say something bad. It. You know, economic, economically-wise, if they do it too early, then they're not going to have tools to, to deal with it. You know, those, tool, those are their tools that we all know they're using. Now, we all know how they're using it. And if they use it too early, they're not going to have it when, when they really need it. So I think it's, it's going to be a very fine line
0: for all of them now to, um, to work on. QE, they can't, they can't do more QE? They
1: can do QE, but before doing... So QE is the la- Well, it depends on what you call QE. First, the cut rate, and eventually, at some point, they inject liquidity. That comes later, much later. Why would you do it now?
0: Uh, you could say because inflation because inflation has fallen sharply. I think what the Fed cares most about, I, at least what they say they care most about, is the labor market and inflation. So, inflation has fallen from nine percent to three percent, and by, by some measures, as low as you know under two percent. Although those are you know, not measures that are official if inflation has fallen so much as inflation falls, the real rate of interest is uh has, has risen. So policy, you know, if five and five and three eighths was was, you know, not super restrictive when inflation was at nine percent. Now it's a lot more restrictive. That would the argument go. I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: Okay, but so if they if they if they cut if they cut rates or inject liquidity because inflation is down, what's gonna happen? We're gonna have a, like an equity rally even further. Like you know, um, risk asset is going to rise up, and then inflation is going to follow, like inevitably, and that could come even harder after that. So it's it's you know it's not a straight. I don't think it's so easy to like okay, inflation is down and like now we can cut. If you cut too early, you bring inflation back with a vengeance. If you cut too late, and there is economic problems, you have bigger risks. So I think. Considering the dynamic in markets now, if markets are growing without it, you can keep it flat basically. Don't cut it, don't like it. Just if the market is digesting five percent yield or four point six, just keep it this way for the time being. Yeah, the home builders, they've been um outperforming the SMP big time since last year, although the yields are high. You know, now because housing is so expensive, people are moving to building because it's cheaper. And and if you look at the chart, like it's astonishing. If Omvilia has been doing well in a high yield environment, you can expect them to go even even better if if it's safe. Well, as long as they don't like it, I think we're good. Really, I wouldn't. I don't think hiking, but keep it flat.
0: Keep it flat. What is your base case right now on the economy and interest rates?
1: If the if the stock rally to heart then there's a possibility on more hike. If it's gentle now, you know, the growth is not like the first two months because that was quite crazy. They can keep it flat. I don't see them cutting, personally. I don't think, I don't think it makes sense because, like what I said, they need to keep those tools for when they're going to really need it. The only concern here for them not to cut is obviously the U.S. debt. The U.S. debt, I think they have, there is a lot of rollover coming in the next six, seven months so it's going to become expensive. That's the, um, the only thing I would say. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what, what, what can they do here. Because you know, people think they have to cut, that is too expensive. They have to cut because whatever. And I don't think, from, from, from a logical point of view, I don't think it makes sense, personally.
0: There's, there's some people who say, oh, the, the Federal Reserve will start its uh, interest rate cutting cycle much later than the market thinks it will, and that view has worked out you know beautifully over the past one to two months. The market thought that you know the Fed could hike in March and then in May, and now I think the market you know, thinks it will start in, in June, maybe even later. Are are you saying that oh the Fed will start in uh, November, or you think the Fed won't cut interest rate at all?
1: If there is no weakness in economic data, no, mm-hmm. they won't cut. You know we are we we could be in a new. The thing is. If you look at the um, if you look at the ten-year charts since seventy-five, so you have that big downtrend for, for forty years, and it's possible that we have a new uptrend now where high yield works. You know the economy can take it now, and real, real yield is becoming more relevant than than pure yield. There is a possibility that we can we can you know live like that as well.
0: Okay, so is the trade to short short rates because the market's pricing in cuts that you think won't ha- won't occur?
1: Yeah, it could be. Could be. The other thing is is, you know, if you look at the, the stock market and the, the, the cutting cycles for the last again from 75, I think we had eight. Every time a cut happened, like shortly after the stock market collapsed. Um, now those cut, it's not the cut provoking it, it's they're cutting because of whatever it, it mm. because of whatever is happening somewhere else. So then, then the, the wheel is in a, is in motion, right? And the correct in the market and, and start, end up correcting. It's something you know I wrote about in December what, or November, and I said I said, look, we can basically until the first cut belong belong the market.
0: Mm-hmm. Until
1: the first, just, just belong simply based on that. Just wait for it, and even sometime you come on the second, or third cut anyway. So be long until the first cut, and then and then you all, you'll adjust when the, based on dynamic and economic
0: data. By, by, by when that happens, and you still have that view. Be long until the first cut. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So your trade yeah. right now is yeah. long uh, in long stocks, long Nasdaq, whatever you t- you told me until the Fed first interest rate cut, and you think the Fed's first interest rate cut will be longer than the market thinks. So you know, summer of this year or longer. Be long, be long, be long until the cut. And so your, your concerns about AI are more of a mid you know a one year to three year concern uh short term your the trend is is up
1: yeah, yeah yeah I mean well you look at look at Nvidia you know the the trend is up yes um, but you know eventually <laughs> yeah. what what nvidia is Nvidia is a super leverage play on technology on those big on those one on those are big tech that's what it is mm-hmm. the only thing that that makes me think twice though is you know the move we had uh, before the earnings that big and, and big gap up. I don't think that's very healthy. That's a, a sign of a very healthy market to see such big moves on such big companies like this. You know, I'm like, mm. it's, it's a bit much, you know. And then you get a two billion bid and it goes, goes crazy. I think, I think people are, are being carried away with, with the AI narratives. And, and yeah, like I said, all the, da- the data centers business is a structural thing it's not going to be ongoing for decades at some point you reach the limit then what happens is you have a rota- you have a rotation to upgrade the data the um, the the so the hardware eventually
0: right yeah i i hear what you're saying about nvidia going up 12% after earnings it's it's not healthy it is kind of a topping market action and i i think of the phenomenon where when the fundamentals look bad it is actually frequently a good buying opportunity when but when it makes sense to buy and when nvidia's you know, revenues go up 120%. That often is not the best time to buy when it looks good to buy. Similarly, like oil stocks looked horrible to buy in 2020 when the price of oil was negative for, you know, a a day or two. Um, But then they looked like, oh, I have a great margin of safety buying this shitty oil company when the price of oil is $120. But the reality is the price of oil is not going to be $120 for long. And, you know, maybe what you're saying is the price of chips is not going to be so elevated for long.
1: No, No, Uh, and NVIDIA, you know, you're going to have, I mean, it's going to keep going up, you know, maybe touch 1000 I think unless, unless there is like really bad thing happening, which I doubt. And eventually they're going to do a stock split, which is going to boost it up a bit further anyway, you know, because it's going to become too expensive for to retail and, and, and Woods and, and people and all that stuff. So I think then we have that coming and then we'll see after. What I, my oversight on NVIDIA last year was I failed to look at the capex spending um, of all the big tech corp. I focused on the small company like with which I realized that basically what they're doing is like investing in all the small ones. One is going to stick. And the upside for them is, is you know, when you think about it, it's quite smart because a small company is going to raise money for a data center. NVIDIA is going to kick in. Obviously, if NVIDIA is in, people are going to want to join in. And what they're doing, they're going to suck up liquidity from those people investing in that company. The money is going to NVIDIA anyway because they're going to buy the, the GPUs from them. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's... That because I guess that must be the deal when they when they when they invest in those companies like they have to buy the
0: NVIDIA GPUs. It's it's a good product capture. Clearly, if everything, if all of your revenue growth is that, that might be unsustainable. But I think of um you know McDonald's. Their business model is they get a franchisee to build McDonald's and they have to rent land from McDonald's Corporation. It's you know it's not a not a bad business model.
1: But it's not because this, let's say you invest in these in ten businesses, you have nine you know nine are going to fail, but one is going to become a unicorn. On long term, that's going to pay off. It's going to pay off your revenue. And then it boosts your top line, you know, your bottom line revenue on top of it. So it's like win-win for them, really. If you think of it this way, you know, of the VC strategy, what they're doing, long term, you actually could pay off dramatically for them.
0: Uh, what do you think about uh, crypto? It's not just NVIDIA that's going up. Crypto is going up as well. What, what are your thoughts?
1: You know, I don't know if you followed a bit like what happened when, when Luna collapsed and stuff. So I got, I got a bit basically, yeah. It's by Crypto Badly two years ago, so at the Mad King, I kind of avoid writing too much about crypto. Um, but obviously the big ones now, you know, you have to fo- you know fo- I focus on the big ones and that's it. I'm surprised by the big the big jump in the last two days. To be honest, even post ETF, I was expecting you know I was expecting to see 33. We saw 38.5, so I was. Not too far, and I think now we have a we have a cycle that's going to be very different than everything we've saw before. Uh, and and everybody comparing this cycle with the previous one is like it's pointless. I think it's pointless, you know, the fractals comparing the previous cycle with this one. This one is going to be very more much more powerful um, in terms of liquidity. I think it's possible that you know Bitcoin outperforms everyone. Uh, you know, not. I mean, you, you see it year to date is, is literally beating everyone now uh, so far. I also think like in terms of dynamic is going to change a bit um, if the liquidity is flowing to ETFs. The previous cycle was the very defi heavy and people were using the Bitcoin, wiping them up, borrowing against them. All that is not going to happen. So maybe the altcoin is not going to be as big as what we've seen before. And obviously now the, the, the big play now seems to be happening in, in gaming this year anyway. I saw some, some very interesting stuff in gaming. Like so, being, there's a big launch coming in, in big launch, sorry, coming in two days. You know, with the I don't know if you know the Portal token. I
0: don't. I don't, What what token?
1: Portal token. Okay. They just put it on Binance now to farm it a bit before launch. I think the pool has eight billion in it. So that that tells you the, how the demand is going to be basically, um, and that that's going to be a, a, a token within 200 games from the moment they launch. That's gonna be the big, big things now. Um I think gaming. I've seen I've seen a su- pro- few projects popping up in gaming. And I'm like, okay, uh, now nah, nah, there is something interesting happening there. There are a few big, big launches as well, um, besides gaming. Uh, you have the warm all the warm um token coming out as well, you know, the bridging guys. Bitcoin now is on for, you know, you could give any any number of where it's gonna be next year, really. Anyone is like you can just throw a number. It's going up, and it's going to be, it's going to go up. Out now, the part we don't know is if there is economic uncertainty coming, how people buying ETF are going to react to that. The other thing we can, see, I was thinking about this morning, is we could see a, a rotation from tech to to ETF, Bitcoin ETFs as well. Now, we could see that. You know, I think that that uh, that's a possibility. So much gain has been done in, in tech in the last year. We could see a bit of rotation, uh, rotation from that.
0: In this crypto cycle. Where do you think the big utility is going to be in terms of people using crypto? They, they buy crypto for a specific purpose to use it rather than just buying it to sell it at a higher valuation. You said you mentioned gaming. Tell, tell us more about that.
1: Like I said, that, that token portal is, is, is going to be a currency in 200 games. Like if you think XI, Axie Infinity, that was one game. Mm-hmm. But they're going to provide 200 games uh, in currencies. Uh, so that could be like very, mm-hmm. very big. You know, the supply is like one billion. I think there you have you have yeah, I've been looking into it in the last couple of days, and I think it's it can really be the big surprise of this cycle. A surprise, half surprise, I would say. What I think is great is this what I see already in this cycle is projects are utilizing NFT communities. So before, you know, you're familiar with the airdrops, right? You have airdrops and stuff. Um, so before, for example, uh, in the last cycle, bigger drop was, was Uniswap. So if you use Uniswap, you know, after they launch, they give you, I don't remember how many tokens. And, and then that's it. This time, they're giving tokens to people that are beta testers. So they say, come and beta test it. We're going to give you tokens. So they make the product better. Then they're going to give tokens to people that use the product. And then what they do, they, get, they give tokens to NFT holders, to, to specific communities. If you think of of marketing, I think that's a great move what they're doing. You know, those those communities are usually very intense, and and giving them they're going to become very vocal, very loud on on social. And it's much much better than any other product placement you could you could buy, for example, even on Formula One, let's say, for example, you will get more more return on on doing stuff like that. The gaming is playing this way at the moment. Not only, uh, to be honest, um, Walmart is the same. I saw the same with them. And and some others, and I think there's like a big, the big airdrop season coming this way now, and 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 really rewarding NFTs community that been like through hell in the last cycle because you know, no liquidity and and price collapse and stuff. So I think this that's the the, the, the emerging thing I've been uh, I've been seeing this year.
0: Interesting. What do you think were the the key learnings for you from the, the last cycle of uh, 2020, 2021, and then the, 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 boot, the bust in 2022? Uh, and you think that most of the crypto market has learned the same lessons you did? Because if they have, maybe the next cycle will be different. But if they haven't learned those lessons, maybe the, the past could repeat.
1: Well, I don't think we're going to see as much leverage than last time. All right, we don't have, you know, Luna in the end, Luna UST was a big tool in, in providing leverage. We don't have Ethernet this time. We don't have that. We don't have any algorithm... Um, Basically, any big one, any algorithm, stable coin, so there is no leverage is not going to be the same, so it doesn 't mean we don 't have a big cycle. we have a different one may obviously uh, we' we'll be here because the the last one you know was was a, in the end it was an lc you know all those farming tokens where you could get i don 't know i mean thousands of api and stuff doesn 't yeah. make sense didn 't make much sense so this time is much i think is much more responsible but what 's going to happen also is now you're going to have projects, you know, projects are going to come to market worth billions already. When before, they will come to market worth 10, 20, 50 millions and go up. Now this time it's going to be priced in already. I think we saw it with Jupiter on, on Solana when it come out. We're going to see it now with Portal, with Wormall, you know, those tokens. Basically the price discovery is going to be very really short. It's going to be very short.
0: Sure. Um,
1: so be- yeah, before before they will launch their token and you, you'll find out. This time, because of the way they're doing it, the price, the token is not coming at, at 10 cents. It's coming already at $3, for example. You know, we have the, the, all the tools that exist for that now. You have New Market, Maker, you have all of that. It's, it's, it's very different than what we had before. What we're going to have, we might have less token that's going to make 40x, for example. Um, they're not going to make 40x, but we, you're going to have a, a, a safer, let's say less gross, but safer um and 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 i think yeah
0: i think that's the way it's that's the way it's starting to play out that that makes sense to me remy and you know i i take your word for it that you know as we sit here in late february 2024 with you know bitcoin with crypto prices going up but not at all-time highs that that is the the current state of things but how do you think that will change if the price of bitcoin goes over uh a hundred thousand of course i'm I'm not saying it it will or as crypto prices if they continue to appreciate because you know the same point that i made about oh you're not having uh basically fraudulent semiconductor companies go public it's only the you know the companies that are actually making money and generally it's you know uh profitable companies that that are going up in the same way it's only the blue ships of crypto that na- now are going and you're not having those yield pool uh, uh leverage swamps that are just causing further speculation to 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 ramp up and cause prices to go further than they might if there if there weren't leverage what, what don't you think that um you know if we are in the middle of the crypto cycle now, again, I'm not saying that we are, the, the reason that you're not seeing those toxic things in the crypto ecosystem is because the price of Bitcoin isn't at 120000 but you will when it is. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Well,
1: not, not necessarily. It's, so the last cycle, all of that was new. You, you, had, you had new chains coming with new meme coins, with new products, all of that. Now, this time, we have all the chains already existing. We have new ones coming. You, know, you have new stuff coming on top of Ethereum. You have last... Um, you have the layers are coming as well. I mean, you have, you have a lot of new things, but not as much as last time. I think that they, it's done. All that, all that craziness, look, we have the ICOs in 2018. We had the craziness in DeFi in four years ago. Now, this time, it's possible that the market is more mature as well and is not going to do that kind of product. We, it, it, it's a possibility we don't see those this time. And it's not going to stop it to go up. Now the the flow of, of the flow of money is gonna be different, but it's still gonna grow, you know. It's gonna be very institutional driven. Eventually, at some point, like you said, if, if Bitcoin is hundred K, that's gonna be in all the news, then you're gonna start with the retail cycle, and that's what you know, all of that is is a possibility um as well. I think it's gonna be uh yeah, it's gonna
0: it's something like all oh, on those lines is gonna play out. Yeah. So you think that Crypto will be in a secular bull market and it won't have a cycle.
1: Yeah, well, it could it could be yes. We we have. To, I, I'm still waiting to see. You know, it's very early to say that. I still, wait. I, I want to see sustain sustain flow to it, and and more importantly, I want to see how the ETFs are going to react to a correction to a stock correct like a or an economic downturn or a really big stock correction, which is something we don't know yet. We know we know how our, our people will. Would react in the crypto market, but now that flow of money is different. So we, I, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm not going to say that yet.
0: Yeah, so so that's a really interesting point, Rami, about correlation between stocks and crypto. I, I think they are quite high, and you know, if Bitcoin is a triple levered Nasdaq position, I mean, the reality is the Nasdaq has gone up a lot, so that's a pretty good position to have, uh, with the benefit of, of hindsight. How are you thinking about the correlation between uh, crypto and Stocks, because in the long, if you think in the long run the stock market, you know, AI is somewhat of a, of a bubble. Then you know, maybe crypto. If, if the stock market goes down, crypto will go down too, right?
1: Well, yes, you would think so. But now what I'm thinking of is, okay, let's say the ETF, let's say the ETF broke people that never bought Bitcoin before. Let's say it's there's there's some of that money that's completely new. Those people, they just experience what 20% in a month, something like that. If it keeps going like that. We might see those people allocating more of their portfolio to Bitcoin. You know, greed, greed is going to kick in. They're going to be like, "Whoa, it's too easy," and 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 there you you can end up having a dynamic of of restructuring portfolios for people and taking a bit more risk. We should have that. We should, you know, the the, the bull run is on. When I see those moves over the last two days, I'm like, okay, this is. This is happening now. The flow out of grayscale um, has definitely declined. It's like almost nothing now. Irrelevant. If the demand is coming from the other side without the flow out of of grayscale, then we're on for for some fireworks, right? Like now. And I'm surprised. You know, I wasn't expecting such a price move ahead of the halving. But again, that was me comparing to previous cycles. So this one is, like I said, it's very
0: different. Sorry to interrupt, just want to tell you about BlockWorks' upcoming crypto symposium in London, the Digital Asset Summit, which is running from March 18th to March 20th. Everyone in crypto is going to be there, not just the experts and policymakers, but the real industry leaders writing the checks. Over $800 billion in assets is going to be represented. Anyone who's anyone in crypto is going to be there, so if you're into crypto and you haven't bought your ticket yet... The time is now to get your ticket. I would not wait any longer. We've got some exciting guests on the macro side too. Julian Brigden, Michael Howell. And yes, I can confirm at last the rumors are true. Joseph Wang, the Fed guy himself, is going to be there too. I'll be hosting a panel with these macro heavyweights that you don't want to miss. So be there or be square. Click the link in the description and use code FG10 to get 10% off. Thanks. Let's get back to the interview. For our audience who are not viewing this as a video, but who are listening to this, I just want to say you are talking about a virtuous, uh, a virtuous cycle of as the price of Bitcoin goes up, people buy more Bitcoin. But what about what about if it goes the other way? You know, so don't don't you want true believers in Bitcoin, not people who are just oh, I am buying it at fifty thousand because it's going up to sixty thousand?
1: Okay, so right now people are positioning in it, they're allocating small small allocation of their portfolio, so that's going to be on the risk uh, a risk part of the portfolio. They're going to be put two three percent. Something like that. I think Fidelity mm-hmm. recommended to put 3%, right? So if they put 3%, it's basically like you price, it's priced like an option. Like you let it write and you see, you don't, you're willing to take the draw down, draw down you're fine with it because it's a small position in your portfolio, right? So it's, it's all about positioning at the stage. Now, if he goes down, you don't have too much downside. This is your entire portfolio. If he goes up, grid is going to kick in 100%, 100%. Human. Uh, human nature. And then on a drawdown, is going to be a bigger problem because they have bigger allocation. And then the fear is going to kick in. But for now, because everybody's recommending small positioning versus the portfolio, I, I think people are going, we can, it's going to keep going for a bit.
0: Got it. So we just talked about Bitcoin. Let's talk about another commodity, which has a pretty inelastic supply, uranium. You, you've been long, uranium, uh, you even wrote about that as a, as a as a long trade. It's gone up a lot. How are you seeing that play out? Tell us your thoughts there.
1: The supply, you know, the supply chain on, on uranium is, you know, the supply. The, basically, the demand problem is there. Uh, we we know it. We know the demand demand is going to grow. Uh, we know a lot of countries are committing to develop more uh, more nuclear. We know it's the only way they can have a chance to reach their numbers, you know, in terms of CO2 emission. CO2 Green, emission. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think the trade is on for five years, to be honest. He had a decent correction this year. He, he, has, he had not performed too well, but I think, yeah, I think the, the structural problem in terms of supply demand the is there, does exist. You, you see a, too many country, more and more countries adopting it. So it's, it's yeah, I think it's going to work well. And it's, it's definitely a trade. Now, now on, the, on, the, on the correction, it's definitely a trade to add if you don't have. It's a long-term trade.
0: Long term trade. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do not have a position in uranium, but I have looked into it. And it's very interesting because talk about the supply dynamics. Again, I'm not saying this is a good thing for the world, you know, if uranium is, you know, ne- you're very much needed uh, to, to meet CO2 uh, reduction targets, it, it, it should be cheap. But I think the reality is, a bunch of the spot market of uranium is bought by the investment community through through uh, products, you know, ETFs or trust or, or whatever, and power producers, the utilities, they buy mostly in the uh, term market. So, and, and the supply comes from mines, which take a really long time to go. So, yeah, I mean, so, I mean how high do you think the price of uranium is going? It, it went, went over 100 pounds, right? Yes.
1: Opening, two mi- opening a new mine takes about 15 years. So that's not possible. Ramping up com- um, production is complicated. So that's why, you have a, that's why I said five years. You have a five-year gap here where yeah you have that the physical uranium etf that's been like sucking up uranium big time talking about data centers and stuff they're gonna have to they're gonna need powers all of mm-hmm. them all of those centers are gonna be over so it's gonna have to come from somewhere as well you know eventually i mean i think yeah the, the, it's it's a good trade it's a good trade to have uh yeah i think it's it's you know if it's one to have in your portfolio definitely um and and I really like the, um, the correction not to add, to be honest. I might do it, actually.
0: Nice. Uh, and you're, you know, as viewers may suspect, uh, uh, you are from from France, where I believe they are pretty into nuclear power. But, you know, your neighbors to the north, Germany, they have been, you know, pretty reluctant to, to embrace it. And even as they're talking a big game when it comes to environmentalism, they're shutting down nuclear power plants. What do you think about the rest of the world's embrace of nuclear power? There's been a pretty strong you know, anti-nuclear uh, power bent in pretty much, you know, most countries other than, than France. And add on to that, if, if all the hedge funders buy it and it goes to $300 a pound, I can imagine some politicians saying, oh, this is being manipulated, blah, 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 which, you know, they may, they may be right. <laughs> but
1: yeah, when, when, I, was, when I, grew, I grew up in France, um, I, I was going to school 20 miles away from a nuclear plant, from one of the biggest in France no problem, nothing, you know, it's, it's safe. We never had any risk, never training, never a warning, never nothing. Right now. And that was 30 years ago. What we saw is, you know, a lot of people that were anti-nuclear, they were pushing for wind or solar. So what happened is basically those, you have those people fighting against each other and for decade, decade and a half, it was solar wind and turbine taking over and it was like that's the one you have to, to look at. And it's, it's funny, you know. when I, I wrote about it in October, I think, I saw two videos and I saw a video from 2010 with a debate between someone that was pro-solar and someone that was pro-nuclear. And when I, when I watched it, I was like, okay, that's what they basically nuclear, and I realized that nuclear people have been fighting against that, that Okay, it's cleaner, it's better, it's this and that. The reality is, since two thousand eleven, since Fukushima, nothing. There is no, no, event that happened. Nothing broke. You know, no, no risk. Um, but it's it's you know, when you think nuclear, you think Hiroshima, you think power. You know, you think bomb. Basically, you don't think about electricity. So if if people, what comes in their mind is that you know, the mushroom, the atomic mushroom. If you think nuclear, event, eventually. And and I think you know this is something that George uh, Wolf said that a, a good thing would be to rebrand nuclear power for energy, for example, and call it elementals. Call it what? And 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 call it elemental. Uh, basically, rebranding the name of uranium for energy for energy, then it's not called nuclear, and then in terms of perception from the people, when you talk about it, they're not scared about it. And I'm like. You know what that makes sense if you split the two things nuclear for weapon and nuclear for energy they're two different things and one people are fearing one and and stop the other basically for for too long and and I think now it's it's definitely the the the, the way to go you know you see you see India embracing it you see China embracing
0: it that, that there's no, you know, there's no choice. Very interesting, Remy. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Uh, finals, was, tell us about the work you're doing at the Mad King, and maybe can you tell us a trade that you're looking at that we haven't discussed uh, so far on this program that you're you're thinking about with your work at the Mad King.
1: All right, basically, the Mad King is 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 a newsletter. Uh, you know, macro macro business tech, uh, a bit of crypto. And, um, and what I do is, you know, I, co- I cover macro trends or, or macro topics uh, in a very, where I simplify everything as much as I can um, to make it easy to understand, easy to digest, more importantly. And yeah, focusing, focusing obviously on tech, um, tech a lot, macro a lot, uh, Now starting to bring crypto a bit because it's moving and I, and I want my readers to be on top of it. know I cover the business cycle, I cover I cover a lot of things. You know, I went from from uranium to India to to Bitcoin not long ago to um, a lot of a lot of stuff. And and usually I also like to take a contrarian view on things because I think if you you know you can have more edge like that. And so it's it's different of of the other macro newsletters. It's very different. Um, But so far you know the feedback has been good. Got a few hundred people sign ups um so you know grant williams has been helping me a lot so it's been great and and yeah and and look for for your podcast actually today i activated a free trial for you viewers um so i don't do free trials or anything now for a week i'm going to leave the trials on people can sign up for a free trial no credit card no nothing mm-hmm. and it's at themadking.com um find the sign up stuff mm-hmm. law and and but yeah and and that, see that's the kind of stuff i'm going to do it for a week then i shut it down um and 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 then we'll see, yeah, so I saw that to do that for you as a as a thank you for your for your viewers, um you know, just like, yeah, it's cool and and regarding trades, I really liked um well, we talked about it quickly about the home builders, like I said, if they survive they, they've been striving through high going forward, they can only go up, so you it can it's actually quite an interesting trade, as a long home a as a long, yeah, long, long, long. I don't short. I try to short this year, at the beginning of, of the year, and be clever, and that didn't work out. Um, you know, shorting is too. I'm not. I'm not. It, it, the time. The time. It's too time sensitive. Um. And and right now, considering the dynamic in place, I don't think it's it's wise to uh, to short anything. One trade that is interesting is the defense sector for Europe. It's growing a lot. Um. You know, they need. Um, they need basically to ramp up um, military spending in Europe to catch up, and and companies in Europe uh, in the defense sector are quite well positioned. Actually, this mm. is an interesting that that's something I'm, I've been looking at, and I'm I'm going to be looking at in home
0: builders and European defense. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Remy, we'll include include a link for for the Mad King uh, in the in the description. Thanks for coming on, uh, Remy, sharing sharing your insights, and thanks everyone for watching. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Remember to check out vanekcom HodlFG to learn more about the Vanek Bitcoin Trust ticker HODL. Reminder that forward guidance episodes are available on all podcast apps and on Twitter, where I post them regularly at JackFarley96. Thanks again. Until next time.